So how you been, Keith? We've uh, been kind of lax lately, I know, and you got a lot of stuff going on. I've been busy as hell with the boat and everything. Uh, so apologies to our listeners, first and foremost. We've been uh, delayed a couple weeks getting you some new content here. <laughs> yeah, man, I've been good. Uh, you know, just had a lot of different things going on, like you said, and it's more, I guess, busy on your side, busy on my side, too, but uh, I'm glad to be back in studio. Oh, for sure. Um, and glad that we are going to be probably creating studio... 2.5 pretty soon i like it i like moving, it <laughs> moving around one more time you know got a few different things to talk about i think today uh i think we can make an interesting show i like it let's do it it's time to hit the trail Lock in those hubs and throw it into low range because you are listening to Wheel It with Keith and Johnny Orange. They're here to talk about 4x4s, trucks, and everything to do with enjoying the great outdoors. Buckle up. Here's your hosts, Keith and Johnny Orange. Are you having a stroke on me, bro? I kind of think I am. I kind of think Please I am. Do that. Well, okay. So <laughs> the the thing is, is I had a topic right on the tip of my tongue, mm -hmm. and it was something that I thought was going to be pretty interesting. Okay. But I can't remember what it was, and I didn't write any <laughs> notes. And so now I'm thinking maybe talking about something a little bit different today. I I, I just unless you have a, a completely, you know, something that you want to throw out there. I know, I know you said that, you know, and maybe we could start off. I know you said that we've got some new Patreon people you wanted to shout out to. Yeah, so we're going to give a big shout out here to Billy Lemire. Uh, he's our newest Patreon uh, subscriber on there, so thank you for that, sir. Uh, if When you have a chance, shoot us an email with your mailing address, info at wheelinradio.com, and we'll make sure that we get that out to, uh, oh, sorry, get you out a couple decals as soon as we can here. Uh, I know you've got couple floating around i think i got a few at home so we'll, we'll get a few out to you for sure yeah we need to get some more printed but so, uh you thank just... you for listening hope you're enjoying the show and uh tell your buddies let us know what you think thank you so much for uh yeah for signing up there billy and john thank you so much for uh putting our email out there and getting us on eighteen thousand lists now and well hey maybe we'll win some spanish lottery or something uh, i mean it's always a possibility yeah. take wheel into spain <laughs> You know, that's actually an interesting, uh, different topic that I was thinking about. It's funny that you mentioned that. Spain? A little bit. Oh. So uh, <laughs> right now we are being inundated, and I've noticed um, on a lot of the, especially the Land Cruiser pages and some of the other ones, uh, a lot of the really desirable Land Cruisers, like the 70 series, um, higher-end... Uh, SUVs and vehicles that we didn't get in the United States, uh, according, and also, you know, you got your like your Fast and Furious type cars, like your Supras and, and things. They're hitting that 26 year mark where they're legal to import them now. Huh. And what's interesting is a lot of people are, you know, they'll, they'll import them from Japan and they'll import them from various parts of Europe. But Spain is an excellent, excellent country to import hmm. them from because Spain has left hand drive vehicles. Oh, so if you're oh, looking, never thought of that. yeah, if you're getting a uh, like a Supra or you're getting like a 70 series Troopy 
or hmm. a 70 series uh, Toyota Land Cruiser four door. You know, we've talked about those a long time ago. The, the four door still solid axles with diesels and five speed manuals and all the great stuff that we love to have here yeah. that we never got in the U.S. Uh, you know, we're now able to get that over hmm. over here. That's awesome. You know, speaking of complaints on Land Cruisers, did you see the uh, the news on the the new 300 series? I have not. No, I've been so, kind of absent from a lot of news anywhere lately. I just so so busy. Toyota's been teasing us now for about better part of four years that they are going to replace the now aging 200 series Land Cruiser, which hmm. was priced so far out of most people's market. I mean, they started. 70 something thousand dollars for the 200 series good lord and they're saying we're going to replace it and you know people are like it's not going to come to the u.s it's not going to come to the u.s well they have announced that it is coming to the u.s yeah. we're going right. to still be able to get the land cruiser in the u.s in fact toyota had announced i think we talked about on the podcast about a year ago that you weren't going to be able to get the land cruiser in the u.s anymore after this year well toyota saying no you will be able to hmm. but and there's a big butt with this. Now, I think the MSRP starts about 92000 for the 300 ooh, series. Oh, buddy. I got a big complaint here, and I don't know where this is coming from <laughs> with Toyota. They So the new 300 series is, a, is an updated 200 series. has a twin turbocharged V6. It's like 400-something horsepower. Whoa. Very impressive. Uh, I believe it has a locking rear differential. might have a locking front. And it's... Like the Land Cruiser has become in the United States, it is a very, very cushy vehicle. It's got hmm. all the bells and whistles, and it's got all of the leather and all that type of stuff. But they are now offering, they're going back to the roots, and you're able to get a stripped-down utilitarian model of the like 300 that. series. Cloth interior. Uh, I was not able to confirm whether or not you're going to be able to get with a manual transmission. You could get the 200 series of the manual transmission, but only overseas in certain markets. The 300 series may or may not have a manual transmission, but you're able to get a vinyl floor, you know, just your base model utilitarian Land Cruiser awesome. out of the 300 series. And you can get it everywhere in the world except the United States. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, they really dropped the ball on that one, didn't they? Well, and the thing is, and I was reading through a, a thread on that um, on one of the Facebook Land Cruiser pages, and one of the guys made a very valid point. He said, Toyota has so outpriced the Land Cruiser series that, you know, people are saying, oh, you know, this huge enthusiast following market, it's a huge enthusiast following market. thing is, is 99.9% .9 of Land Cruiser builders are buying... 15 to 30 year old Land Cruisers and modifying them. Yeah. They're not buying a brand new Land Cruiser and modifying it. So Toyota is still going to market to the people who are buying the high end ones. So the people that live in Makes Gross sense. Point, Michigan or Beverly Hills, California or, you know, wherever and they can afford these high end vehicles, they're not marketing the utilitarian stuff. Yeah. I still think they're dropping the ball, though, by especially not bringing the 70 series in the oh, U.S. I 100% agree You know, there. the square body 70 series, which we've talked about. You've seen yeah. pictures of them before. Um, it just, I, I don't know where they're going with that. I mean, they're making all sorts of cool things, and the U.S. just keeps getting left out again and again and again. Yeah. And it can't be a crash test thing, because if they've approved the 300 series for a crash test in the U.S., then going to a vinyl and cloth interior <laughs> and getting That's a more stripped down anything. model. No, yeah. you should still be able to opt it. I mean, so I don't know why they're doing that to us. I don't know. I gave up trying to figure out that kind of stuff a long time ago with companies. They just 
don't make sense with a lot of it. <laughs> I, it right now, I think that so many of the the market with the OEMs of their vehicles, they're just trying to figure out where they're at. Uh, are they going all electric? Are they, you know, going to yeah, be? Yeah, there's a lot of changeover happening in the industry right now too. 10, I mean, 10 15 years from now, it's going to be completely different. We might be out of a show. <laughs> no, I mean because they've got four electric four by fours. I mean you yeah, got the that's true. You, you got, got the, the Wrangler, Tes the Wrangler, the Tesla truck coming up. Yeah, um, the F one fifty. You can do the F one fifty. So yeah, Lightning. I mean we'll still be here. We'll just be, I, I, I don't know, shockingly digital. Well, there you go. <laughs> I, I the thing that is that didn't is, even make sense. That was a terrible joke. I'm sorry, guys. They're gonna still have to <laughs> offer until the entire fleet of the world is electric. They're yeah. still going to have to offer gas stations are, are going to have to exist. Yep. I don't know if it's going to make fuel cheaper or if it's going to be more expensive because it's a supply and demand thing. Yeah. I really don't know where that that's going. We'll find out. I mean, hopefully for like our sake, it's going to make gas cheaper for those of us with the old ones that refuse to upgrade. Contrary to the whole Cybertruck thing for me, I'm still keeping my gasser and diesel trucks. Oh, I, I agree. I'm the same way. And speaking of, of diesels and Land Cruisers there for a minute, I think I have finally decided the way that I'm going to go with my build with the oh. um, the 60 series, you know, okay. the Brett Pack 60 out there. Uh, we talked a couple episodes ago, or maybe it was the last episode, about the frame swap yeah. idea. I think I'm probably going to look at an 80 series frame swap. Nice. I, I haven't, I haven't fully confirmed that in my mind yet, but. Uh, my mom's company has a uh, 96-97 Dodge Cummins diesel truck that they're retiring, Ooh. blown transmission, but it's got a 12-valve P-pump engine in it. And Interesting. there's been a number of people that have swapped the 12-valve into the 60 series. It's a big engine. It's heavy. It's, hmm. it's about 200 pounds heavier than the factory 2F straight 6. But, you know, the people that have done it, Versus going to a 4BT or a smaller diesel are reporting yeah. back 25, 26 miles a gallon. Oh, wow. Versus my 8 that I get uh, with the 2F right now. Yeah. I think it might not be a bad way to go. And Especially, that'd be cool. <laughs> and with the P-Pump, I can run whatever I want in it. I can dump yeah. old motor oil. I can dump... Water. Water. <laughs> engine coolant. <laughs> oh, man. That's pretty bad. I wonder if you mixed alcohol with engine coolant, if you could make it work. In a P pump, it might. I, I'm I'm not sure there. I don't want to try and find out. I don't want to clean that mess. Up. No, no, for sure. <laughs> but uh, you know, and diesel swaps are becoming more and more and more popular yeah. uh, with the Land Cruisers. Uh, there was a guy the other day on one of the forums I was on, and he had a '60 series, and uh, a couple of the guys were saying two eight Cummins, two eight Cummins, and then other people were chiming in saying, you know what, the aftermarket the computer system, though. the computer system, yeah. and besides like Chad at Quick Draw, uh, a lot of people have not stepped up yet to yeah. aftermarket supply the two eight, and the parts availability is still pretty low. Uh, a couple of guys were getting on board with the OM617 swap, Ooh, and nice. they were talking about that. Now I know parts are getting harder to find for them. It's an older engine, a little bit, yeah. But they're like, man, you can still go to a Mercedes dealer and get them. Um, you know, a lot a of lot junkyards in larger a company, cities. I believe he's in Washington State. Uh, he deals with a lot of parts, just either remanufacturing or reconditioning stuff, things like that. Um, trying to remember Mercedes Resource or something like that. I think is his website. Okay, I've ordered a few things from him. 
And, I mean, when you need it, he's probably got it. If he doesn't have it, you can't get it. <laughs> hmm. Unless you're going to scrapyard and picking one kind of thing. Well, so it's, it's pretty cool. I think that makes sense over, um, you know, running something like that or Cummins in the 60 series versus yeah. using one of the Toyota diesels because that was what some of the – they got the one – like the 1HDZ or something like that. They've got a lot of the number letter combinations. Yeah. There's a number of people that are saying, oh, we'll run one of the Toyota diesels that you can find a couple in Canada. You can get them from <laughs> Australia, this and that. But guys were making a valid point in the U.S. They're saying if you swap in this oddball diesel yep. and parts were never available in the U.S., now you're looking at anytime something breaks, shipping, you know, you're maybe if you're on a road trip somewhere, you're broken down. Yeah, your downtime's through the roof. So as much as I like being a Toyota purist and saying put in a Toyota diesel engine, yeah. that, and they're decent engines... I'm thinking the Cummins might be the way to go. Yeah, yeah. A smaller engine like a 6.5 uh, Detroit out of a Chevy truck or something might be better, but I have the engine. It's one of the simplest, most durable engines of all time. Nice. Um, and then but here's here's my thinking or my, not my thinking, but here's my... Uh, Rationale? No, no, no. Um, here's Here's where I can't decide on this one. I spent the time and money to swap an H55 five-speed, which is semi-uncommon, but it's a common yeah. thing for people to do in the Toyota Land Cruisers, as you know. Uh, I put the H55 in it. The H55 is not a weak transmission, but they do say that they have some torque limits. Cummins produces a lot of torque. Yeah. So a couple guys, there's ways to adapt to the H55. You'd have to go to either like a Chevy bread truck adapter, then to the H55 uh, like an, use an advanced adapters adapter. Um, there's a couple different ways to do mm. it, but maybe one of the easiest ways to do it would be to just put an MV4500 in at that point. Or G56 swap it again. Well, that'd be cool, but <laughs> then you're looking at uh, having to deal with oh, yeah, um, the, the transfer case. Or something. Well, the transfer that, case yeah. on the Land Cruiser is offset where your rear axle is offset. Oh. Now, since I do need to do a rear axle swap anyways, I could go to a centered rear axle, and yeah. that, that might be the way I go. But my thinking was, because the, the Land Cruiser transfer cases are pretty stout, I was thinking maybe running the Land Cruiser transfer case with an advanced adapter's adapter to go to an MV4500. That works. Um, and, you know, now I've got, you know, good, solid parts that I can get just about anywhere. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm still going to keep thinking on this one, but I'm the gears have been turning more and more finely on it. <laughs> I think where a lot of it's going to... Where I'm going to start making decisions... I'm going to bring her into the garage here soon, start cutting out the rust, welding it up, mm. figuring out exactly where I want to go with it. But as much as I love the 2F and she's always treated me really, really good, I just, that eight miles a gallon with fuel prices like they are now is going to kill me. <laughs> yeah. I, where was it? I was earlier today. I saw gas was more expensive than diesel. Yeah. I mean, it goes back and forth. Yeah. But... I, I haven't seen that in a while, though. This was, it was like a, a 25 cent difference. I don't remember wow. what it was, but did significant you, Did you drive difference. your diesel here today? No, I... <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah, so I've had a little drippage from the uh, the front steering shaft. Not the steering shaft, uh, somewhere by the, the steering box for a couple weeks now. Okay. So and you... I've been lazy and busy, so I've just been dumping stop leak in it. Mm. Uh, needless to say, that didn't work. It's been getting worse, and I've been watching it. Last, I drove it for a bit, checked it when I got to auto parts place to get more fluid. It was aerated, so I'm pretty sure it's just a loose fitting. 
Well, I filled it up Tuesday night, I think, on my way home from work. When I went to turn into my driveway, my steering was rock hard. Ooh. Pump is, com- I popped it, it's completely foamed. Mm. So I, I got to just loosen that front grill. I'm, I'd say 80 to 90% sure it's just a loose fitting or fittings, something up front, because it's coming higher up and dripping down. Oh, okay. So unless the fitting itself's actually blown through somehow, I'm pretty sure it's just a loose fitting. So tighten it up, uh, flush it with some new fluid, and I should be fine. I just, I've been so busy. <laughs> you think you might have to go see a prof- uh, professional or whatever uh, for your shaft leakage problem or no? No, no, I'm just going to go to, you know, the local store and get some over-the-counter to take care of that. Okay, right. <laughs> I was just wondering. I mean, I'm glad that it's, it's you know, rock hard and all that, but, you know, you need to get it back to being soft for you and uh, be able to turn the way you need to go. So I can turn the steering wheel. <laughs> oh, my God. What? <laughs> So this is after show talk here, Keith. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I'm talking about your steering system, Jack. Oh, me, me too, me too. <laughs> oh, oh man, boy. yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I did. I've uh, been driving the truck, um, just for work this week, and then something I picked up that I still have to get out of there is pretty heavy, taking up a lot of space. So I brought my dad's Jeep. Okay, just working out of town. So I just brought all my dive gear up in that and. Here I am today, after two days on the boat, working out on the lake with divers. And that's been going well? Oh, yeah, yeah. So only our second weekend. Um, so far, so good. Is the, is the new, <laughs> since we were speaking about diesels earlier, is your new diesel engine in that treating you right? Oh, yeah. It's, it's just one engine, sweet. right? Yeah, so the other one was supposed to have been gone through a little while before we got her. Um, everything's still rock solid there. Oil, the oil on both of them is amazingly clean. Good. Which is weird to me, because I'm not used to that. <laughs> Sign of a healthy diesel. Yeah. And the other one is the, the one that they did rebuild. I mean, there, there's still a couple little spots. It's got some drippage. Uh, but, I mean, it's a reconditioned engine, and you're going to have that. But, yeah, fires up nice and solid every time. Beautiful. I mean, it's 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 it looks good. That's and, an 8V71. Uh, 70... Yeah. yeah, we got T? two of those. No turbo. No nope. turbo. Nope. So, yeah, works good, runs solid, runs strong. It's awesome. I'm glad to hear that thing's back. I remember oh, watching yeah. the, the photos of you guys putting the new engine in and yeah, getting all that done. That that took a lot longer than we thought. Uh, I mean, the, the damage was pretty bad. Um, remember all of it. Piston liners were almost all cracked or shattered completely. Mm. Uh, multiple lobes on both cams that were broken off. Did they rebuild the engine that was in it? Yeah. Oh yeah, so, so it, I believe it got. I don't remember if they reconditioned the heads or put new heads on. I think they put new heads on, uh, machine the crank, machine the block, new liners, new pistons. Um, let's just say it was a five-digit repair bill. Well, I don't. <laughs> I can definitely five-digit. Well, yeah. you know, I guess I can see that because uh, the last seventy-one series Detroit that I had. When I spoke to a couple of rebuild shops about rebuilding, I had a 671. Okay. And they said that their shop repair bill price on a 71 series was $2,000 a hole. So if you had a 671, that was a $12,000 rebuild. Yeah, sounds about right. 871 was 14000 for a rebuild. This is a little more than double that. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, we're talking now 15 years ago, the yeah. last time that oh, I yeah, was dealing yeah. with one of those. And I never understood why, so, why it was so expensive. 
until I, you know, because even then I looked online and the uh, the reman kits, like if you bought an engine kit, which came with your pistons, your rings, yeah. your, all your gaskets and everything, was less than two grand. And so I was always like, well, why is it so expensive to then take this all apart and do the machine job and this and that? Uh, apparently with the Detroits, there's a lot of special tools with working on the sleeves. There's a lot yeah. of special tools with getting the injectors time correctly. There's yeah. a lot of special tools and, um, and the skill set knowledge to do that. It's two stroke Detroit guys are dying off left and right. We, the guy who, when we, this was two years ago now, I think he did a, just a basic tune up for us. Uh, he was working on these things in world war two. Oh, geez. Like quite literally the, this is the guy you want doing these engines he's doing it by sound and by feel yeah it was incredible and so the shop that did this is a detroit dealer i mean we went right to the source for this because you know you look at swapping something else in you don't know what problems you might have with it it could do the same thing you know two hours after it's installed now you're out all that money yeah you know the we had a lot of recommendations from experienced truck friends and boat friends who deal with these engines they all said, get it rebuilt. You know what you have. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the other thing, because it's marine, that adds a nice, you know, chink in the chain. But more so than that, uh, because we're a Coast Guard inspected vessel, if we swap to a different engine, then we have to go through a new inspection. Exactly. And that's a pain. Because then we got to look oh, at yeah. props, prop shafts, everything. So made more sense to do it this way. You know, we are rock solid with this thing now. It's pretty sweet. I mean, as long as you treat her right, she should be good for many hundreds of oh, thousands yeah. of hours of service now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and the other one, uh, maybe this fall we're going to have the guy come out and just check it over, you know, do whatever he can do with it in the boat, hopefully, and make sure it's good enough to par to, to match and all that. I think that uh, with the the Detroit's there and keeping them, like you said, without having to reinspect everything yeah. is smart because those were one of the best Marine engines ever made. And that, that was the last, um, the last iteration of the Detroit's was the Marine version hmm. because I believe the last over the road Detroit was 1991. They were available. Oh, I was some, unaware of that. <laughs> available in some city buses, hmm. but, uh, and that was a silver series 671. Yeah. But they continued into the mid-early 2000s for the military, running hmm. the 71 and 53 series. I think it might have only been 71 and 92s, actually, at that point. But yeah. running the two-stroke Detroits huh. for uh, marine use. Yeah. It, we, we looked in the 92s. We, we found some options for repowering. Some pretty good deals comparatively. But when you sit down and add the cost to remove the old ones, install all the new ones... Chances are you're going to have to reprop it and, you know, different Correct. shafts. And then when you start doing that, you have to get a, a marine engineer involved to do the math on everything. Exactly. It Again, it just all boiled down to this made the most sense. Oh, well, definitely. Yeah, because now you're talking swapping two engines and yep. you're doing all of that. And they have to match, you yes. know, and what is the rotate and counter rotate thing. It, yeah. There's so much more into it that I never would have thought about. And, you know, just talking to some of these guys that we know up there who've done this, it's a nightmare. <laughs> you know, I do think on the show sometime, we need to do a complete history of the Detroit Diesel. Because um, when we had the, the 6V53 cutaway donated to the museum, yep, um, I had done a history piece for the museum that we put online. And I'm sure I could find it. I'd have to mm. dig it way back up. But uh, what a lot of folks don't realize, there's a number of people that, know that the detroit diesel started in 1939 
uh, with they were GM diesel. Yeah. And then you got your 671s, and then a few years later, your 871s and your 53 series and all of that. The 71 was still always the bread and butter. Yeah. Um, which, for our listeners who don't know what a, we're talking about when we say 671, 871, or 1271, uh, with the early Detroit diesels that were two-stroke Detroit engines, um, or two-stroke diesel engines, the 71 or the 92 or the 53, that designated the number of cubic inches per cylinder. I so, didn't know that. <laughs> so it's cubic inches per cylinder. And mm. then the they started out with either 1, 2, 3, 4, 6, 8, 12, 16, 24. I, I know what that number is. <laughs> That's the number of cylinders. And then it goes uh, L or V. L is an inline engine. V is a V engine configuration. And then uh, they ended up with either the 53, the 71, the 92, the 110 was like a tugboat engine. There's so other ones like as well. a massive engine. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, the, just one of these engines makes me look small, and I'm a big dude. <laughs> a tugboat that I looked at purchasing a uh, long time ago that had sunk and been salvaged and brought up was powered by a 6L110. Nah. And uh, that thing was probably every bit of five feet tall. Good uh, Lord. One big engine in there, wow. 110 cubic inches per cylinder. So, I mean, oh. you're talking 660 cubic inches totally oh. out of a diesel. Nice. They're, they're still high-torque, low-RPM engines. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, um now these things they run great you know everybody in the harbor knows when we're coming in we're the wake up call saturdays and sundays for everybody yeah so if they're sleeping a hangover off in the boat um not for long once we get there that that's one of the funny so. things um the the sound of this of this two-stroke detroits and that's something Ooh. there uh when i say two-stroke folks they don't mix the gas and oil but they are a unique design uh what they did is they have holes through the side of the cylinder walls and then they would have a supercharger on the engines, and that's where the old hot rodders would pull these off and put them on gas engines. But the supercharger is an air handler for the two-stroke Detroits, and it physically forces the air into it. And then the fuel injections are direct-injected. They were one of the earliest direct-injected diesels. Now, like I said, we'll do a full history episode. The history of that, that two-stroke Detroit goes back another 30 years prior to becoming Detroit Diesel or GM Diesel with another company that General Motors had purchased. Hmm. Um, and that same basic engine design that was actually a much larger engine, but they downscaled it for their industrial. It was basically a marine-only engine. The 71 nice. series started out in day one being a marine engine, and then they eventually adapted it for other use. That's that's funny because at least one of ours, the one on our, our port engine, came from a GM truck. Oh, did it? Yeah, we, we ran the serial number looking for some history on them through uh, W.W. Williams. They came back as like, yeah, that was from a 1984 whatever truck. Like, yeah. that's not a truck anymore. <laughs> no, no. And, you know, no record of it being marinized. So this was something a boatyard did, probably North Carolina. So yeah, I, the, the same basic engine designs the same. Oh, yeah. And what's it's just components that swap out. What's funny is, the same. is that <laughs> popping kind of roar that a two stroke diesel Detroit has is unique to those engines. It's yeah. kind of a, you know, um, they're a very, very unique sound. They don't sound like any other diesel out there. Yeah. It's such a awesome... If I, if I remember to, uh, I'm going to probably forget, so apologies. You're going to not get it, guys. Um, I have some pretty good clips of the sound from the engine when we were having them Please do. do. I'll try and splice it in around here. Put 
put it on four by four talk, or at least it's splice it in I'll here. I'll splice it in the episode. I'm Please gonna make do. them listen. Uh, <laughs> I just hope I remember now. <laughs> well, what I was gonna mention for our fan, our fans of truck movies here, two movies that uh, um, that are popular big rig movies. One is Black Dog with Patrick Swayze. And the, the other one is Maximum Overdrive with Emilio Estevez. Both classic uh, 80s, early 90s movies. Once an 80s movie, once an early 90s movie. Yeah. Um, both of those mo- movies, the well, in one, the, the hero truck with Patrick Swayze supposedly has a four and a quarter cat, which is a 425 horsepower cat engine. Ooh. That's what they used to call them. And then I believe there's a scene in Maximum Overdrive where they mention one of the trucks is supposed to be a, a cat or a Cummins diesel or something like that. Hmm. And the sound effect they use is a two-stroke Detroit <laughs> <laughs> because it sounds so much better. That's funny. And, and they've yeah. done it in other movies before, and I've seen it on like the Facebook group Killer Coes and One Tons, which is a great Facebook group. If you're into big, heavy-duty trucks, uh, like personal use for you know the old cab over engines or the big rigs, uh, great truck, great group to be in. Um, you know that one's growing. It's not our group. I just uh, I happen to yeah. be in it, but people are posting all the time. Whenever they see a movie or a TV show where they reference like, oh, this is a cat engine or Cummins or whatever, and then they've got the scene of the thing going down the road, and it's obviously Detroit. <laughs> yeah. Like that Detroit rattle, you cannot you yeah. cannot fake it with any other engine. And uh, so, you know, they're known for that. It's almost like a patented sound, like the Harley Davidsons. You yeah. know, you, you've got that that patented, you know, that loping sound. And yeah. So I... It, it's a very mesmerizing sound, and if you're not careful, you're just, you know, sitting there, you close your eyes for a minute. And then suddenly it's just 30 minutes gone. <laughs> it will lull you right to sleep if you're not careful. So do you know what the, the rarest uh, Detroit diesel engine is? I'm going to say a 171. Very good. Oh, yay. Very good. Uh, single cylinder 171. They only made a couple hundred of them, and they were meant to be stationary generator units. I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, very rarely. One, there's a bunch of Detroit people that will say they don't exist. No. They're like they were on paper only. They do exist. I have seen pictures of them. I've never seen one in person. I've seen two seventy ones, mm. and those are pretty rare too. But the I ones need a blower from a four seventy one. So keep your eyes open. I've had place. one before, but um, you still have it somewhere. No, I sold it years ago. But Damn. <laughs> uh, the from the one seventy ones, like I said, they only made a couple hundred of them, and maybe even less than that, which is very very low production for a diesel engine. Yeah, and I believe they were military generator units as well. I seem to recall something about that now that you mention it. Somebody, uh, I don't remember what page it was on Facebook, had one just a little while ago that they had restored, hmm. and they had it running, and it was just beautiful. That's it was all awesome. painted Detroit green again. And nice. I was like, and, you know, a lot of the... That, the, just as a quick side note, that is not a cheap paint job. No? Detroit diesel paint. Holy crap. I'll tell you off the air what that cost was for that engine, but... Ooh. You can buy the rattle cans of it. Yeah, well, to have them do it, we'll talk later. <laughs> okay, well, because uh, I know I've painted Detroit parts before, yeah. and I've used um, what's called Alpine Green, mm-hmm. and it's if it's not an exact match, it's pretty darn close. Does it say Detroit on the can? No. It's not a match. Well, who cares? <laughs> I mean, you could paint... Detroit purist, man. Well, you've got to at least paint a Detroit Green, uh, you yeah. know. What's really weird is um, there's a number of Detroits out there, and I see them every once in a while that pop up, and everybody just always laughs. There was a number of Detroits that were rebuilt by Cummins Rebuild Engine Program, and then they would slap the Cummins sticker on the valve covers. (laughs) That's awesome. And they would sell them as a 
Cummins 8V71, but in reality, <laughs> it was a Detroit. That is But you awesome. do see them. Now, unfortunately, they never, like, stamped their own, like, valve covers or anything yeah, like that. That would be sweet. But uh, I would just want a valve cover to hang on my wall if I could find that. Yeah. Be awesome. You, what, you want, you want a Detroit diesel valve cover? That says Cummins, yes. Oh, okay, because I have a Detroit <laughs> diesel valve cover. Really? Maybe we should hang that on the wall in the new studio. That would be cool. Maybe we like should do Like a shelf that. with it or something. I got one of the aluminum ones from a Silver Series. They're kind of a rare nice. valve cover. Nice. Nice. You know, we could polish it up or something and have it on there. I, well, we thought we had a bad one, and I, I made a joke in a post. And I'm going to emphasize how I was kidding about this, because the action I was implying is highly illegal. Um, somebody posted a picture of a shipwreck that had Detroit's on it, and it was our engine and the valve cover we needed. Dive and get it. And I made the joke, hey, what's the numbers for this? I need that valve cover. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I get caught, it's not federal prison time or anything, you know. Just bring yours down there and swap it out. <laughs> if it were so simple, it could be the, the world's first valve cover job underwater. I mean, <laughs> maybe somebody's done it before. I, yeah. I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I'm. It's funny how we got on this diesel tangent, but you know, I, you and I are still big diesel freaks, even in this day of electrifying everything. Yeah. Uh, I was talking to someone the other day that bought one of the. The new diesel gladiators, mm-hmm. and they're getting like 28 miles a gallon oh, out of that thing. Nice. Um, they did not opt it for the Rubicon package, so they got yeah. the basically the base model, but they were able to get it with a diesel. I'm like, man, that small truck, 28 miles a gallon, still yeah. Jeep. I, I kind of like that too. I'll take another quick moment for another shout out here to Mr. Kyle. Uh, you, you know your last name. I don't know if we've said it on here before, but yeah, what the hell. Kyle Meyer, uh, congratulations on the new gladiator, man. Hope you enjoy it. Glad we could help you out with that. Uh, again, thanks for listening. I know he posted that on 4 by 4 Talk for us. Tag me in it. So hope you enjoy no, that, man. He did not we'll tag Johnny Orange. Well, he, all right, he tagged the other me. Oh, the other My you. other persona. Oh, your other persona, <laughs> the one that no one knows My you as. My professional work one. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so hope you enjoy that, man. Get some more pictures from you. Can't wait to see that next week at work. Is he going to uh, do a lift kit or anything like that on it? I believe he said that's in the works down the road. Uh, he got a Willie's Edition Gladiator. So, yeah. I, I didn't know they were still that. doing the Willie's Edition stuff. I didn't either, honestly. I, I thought I that found was a couple of years with him, the JKs only. Yeah. No, I guess so. He hmm. he loves it. So, I, I That's the thing, my complaint about the Gladiators is they don't have... They look too low from the factory to me. I, I think they need larger tires. Yeah. They, they look a lot better. I saw one the other day go by my work site. And it was running probably about a 35 on it mm-hmm. with maybe a three-inch lift. And it, I'm just saying that's how Jeep should have done them from the factory. Yeah. They just look so much better. So, so much what better. What I'd love to do with it is either, I say a 4BT just because I like the idea of it being a little bit lighter. Mm-hmm. But like a, a 12BT swapping that with a monster stack out the front. 6BT. Yeah, a 6BT. 12 valve Cummins, 6BT. Yes, I know. Me too. Both of us, buddy. Both of us. Yeah, that that would be sweet. <laughs> yeah, it would. Stop big one coming out right by the in front of the passenger door. That'd be awesome. I think you still need to do that to a uh, cyber truck or something. <laughs> that would be sweet. First diesel swap or first. I'll do something fun. Someone's gonna LS swap one of those things within a year. You know they are. Yeah. So there was a debate going on one of the Tesla pages I'm on about that, and I hate the word. I, I just can't describe my hatred of this word, but they're questioning if the Cybertruck is going to have one or not. A frunk. Front trunk? Yeah. Should. 
I hate that word. It is so stupid. A frunk? It's just stupid. I don't... I it's can't. a weird word. Yeah, but I mean, I guess it's right. <laughs> and with all those sharp those sharp angles on it, you might bump your weenus, you know, and you, you don't want to do that. True. true. I, I smoked that on the boat the other day. That hurts. So you know bad. what that is, huh? Yeah, it's like that or something, isn't it? Yeah, it's the yeah. skin on your elbow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Once I hit the funny bone and my entire arm went numb oh, for about two geez, minutes. Geez. We're trying to leave the dog and it's like, you know, I, I can't move. <laughs> yeah, I just can't. Oh, the tingling was bad. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, so I, um, you know, other projects I got going on. I still got to get the fifty-five running right. Um, she's running on six cylinders right Ooh. now. Five and eight are not around. I need to go grab a compression tester. The compression tester I have, I have headers on that. The compression tester I have is not compact enough to be able to uh. get around the headers. So I got to go borrow one of the screw-in ones, probably from AutoZone or something like that, and see if I can do that. Because I think it might be a compression issue. If it is, then I'm going to be looking at a engine replacement slash swap out. I will probably rebuild it. I mean, it's a 350 <laughs> Chevy. Yeah. I mean, that's All about right, the easiest rebuild. Dime a dozen. <laughs> yeah, it's about the easiest thing. I've rebuilt 20 of them, but nice. um, my we do have another work truck we're retiring that has a good running 350 in a rotted nice. frame. So I was just like, I pull that out, spray yeah. bomb the engine, just drop it in there. You know, I, I need to. Look at a compression tester myself. I, I, I did a stupid. What'd you do? I, I bought a four O. Why? Because it came with a monster turbo. <laughs> oh, just the engine? I bought yeah. I bought the. It was the whole thing, uh, the turbo, the engine, manifolds, everything but the coil pack out of a two thousand one WJ. And, I mean, this was a working four O turbo setup. The turbo, yeah. The engine, no. The engine's blown. Was the turbo on the engine originally? Yes. Uh, not originally, obviously. I mean, it no, worked, but, yeah. though, at he, one point? He sent me a video of this thing running. It sounded angry. Um, Is that going on the XJ? Eventually. it's Right a, away, gotcha. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm done under the hood. Well, all right, so I did buy one other thing from the guy. Hmm. Uh, a BBK 62-millimeter throttle body. <laughs> well, okay. That it's it's That's nothing to put that on, though. Hmm. That's why I got that. He had a spacer with it. He he siliconed a throttle body spacer to it with a gasket. So I, I scraped all that crap off. I'm going to go through, clean it up, and then put that on uh, without the spacer, though. Is this like a custom welded manifold setup or something? Or is it aftermarket or what? So it was disassembled when I got it. And he explained to me how he did it. And it, it's just it's a really goofy way that he did it. And somehow he had this set up with almost no turbo lag. But I'm saying this is he he made this thing. Yeah, it so it was just you know a Chinesium eBay turbo kit. Okay. So it's nothing crazy worth money or anything like that. Excuse me. <clears throat> Chinesium, like it. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it it's got the blow off valve, you know, the the wastegate controls and everything. I I bought it's it that as, a, as a set. <laughs> Run all boost all the time. He was cranking thirty pounds of boost into a four o stock four o. Yeah. Did it hold up? For a while, <laughs> okay. He, he was, I think he said he was around 200,000 miles with an auto, auto trans 4.0, uh, and he blew the engine. But the sound of it, it did the exact same thing mine did. But when I watched the video he sent me of it, it was running, you can hear it, it's stumbling on itself. Mm. I don't know, the, the 01 WJs could have still had the bad head that liked to crack. Oh, okay. So there's a chance it just needs a head swap. It's a very, very small chance. 
More than likely, though, one or multiple pistons are cracked or blown. Hope you so, didn't get big money for this thing. No, 150 bucks for uh, okay. everything. All right. So Not, I paid a little more on the throttle body. That okay. was a separate deal. But, I mean, that, for what those things cost new, I mean, I got to go through, clean it up a bit. So it's, it was a, I'm, I'm a cheap bastard. If I bought it, it was a good deal. <laughs> Sounds and, like it, Yeah, I, I can part the engine out, keep a few spare parts, and probably at least break even. For sure, hundred percent, man. Yeah, so I'm I'm excited for that. Get that throttle body on there. Read a lot of good reviews on it, so it's I'm I'm happy. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool, man. Yeah. Well, uh, John, I, I I enjoyed talking with you about diesels today and things like that. I did have uh, earlier today. I I had an impromptu appointment to take a couple through the museum, um, oh, which cool. was nice. So we had Very some, cool. we had Very some visitors cool. down there. Uh, they thought everything was super cool. One of awesome. the things that the one guy did like a lot was the 6V53 cutaway engine that nice. we have. He was checking that out for a, uh, an amount of time. Nice. And, um, you know, with the museum, speaking of that, uh, thank you again for getting our pop machine working. And everything is oh, ice cold in there. Oh, that's working good. It is cool. working very, very good. Very cool. And have got to uh, thank Mr. Ed Henry for that as well. Absolutely. Thank you, Ed. The whole thing has been working, knock on wood. Uh, for Awesome a while now awesome. and uh everything i am reading right now is that in michigan july 1st all restrictions for museums and things like that will be gone so yes. we will be looking at getting a regular starting july 1st uh or the week of july 1st we're going to be looking at having a regular opening date again that we will announce very soon on the podcast maybe and we should promote it and have a party uh, we might <laughs> um and we've had uh um you know, we can put it out in the social medias and things like that. But I do think that that first week of July is going to be uh, important for us to do that and get yeah. back to the new normal down there yes. at the museum. Uh, we can be open now, but there's still technically restrictions that we have to follow. Yeah. And so we've only been open by appointment. Yeah. Um, if anybody's interested in seeing the Museum of Off-Road Adventure, which we talk about so fondly, um, you know, come on down. Uh, we're in Clay Township, Michigan, and you can call 877-FWD-MORA, M-O-R-A, and that will uh, direct you to our phone system, and you can make an appointment to uh, come down and check out the awesome museum. It's, you know, it's a few small vehicles for the time being. Uh, at any given time, we have about a dozen or so rotating displays, uh, but it's well worth the time. We always enjoy walking through and, and teaching people about all these historical vehicles, and we're always looking for more displays and donations. So if somebody's got something super, super cool that has some four-wheel drive history to it, you need to hit us up. You know, we've got that new hovercraft. We've got a few other I things. I forgot about that. Yeah. We still need to do an episode on the history of those things, too, but I haven't had enough time to really yeah. research uh, going back on those. But Yeah, and then we still got Wheels in the Woods coming up with that. It's our main fundraiser every year there. October 9th, 2021. That's going to be exciting. That I'm is looking in forward to that. Marsh, uh, it's on Marsh Road in Clay Township, Michigan as well. It is not at the museum location. It's down the road. Uh, there it's is, like two miles from the museum or so, isn't it? Yep, it is. Yeah. There is a Facebook event group that you can go in uh, that we have just started. Um, and you can say whether you're going or not to Wheels in the Woods 2021. And we would hope to see you there. We've actually lowered the admission prices this year. We have um, we, we've gotten rid of one of the events, but we're going to do some other things. It should be a great, great year. Yeah, looking forward to it's that. It's going to be sure. all vehicles again, like we've talked before. Yeah. Um, we're going to do that again. Hot rods, customs, 4x4s. Of course, still a 4x4 heavy show. Yeah, military but... trucks. You can bring your 6x6, your 8x8, 12x12, or a tank. There you go. I want to see a tank there this year. I want one of you guys to bring a tank out to this show. <laughs> <laughs> we will feature you in an episode here. 100%, <laughs> John. 100%. <laughs> 
All right, so Keith, before we cut to the end here, I have got something that I want to read you. Uh, I've not told you to this yet. I want your honest reaction. Apologize we didn't get a chance to give this shout-out earlier. Um, I, I just actually saw the comment about a week or so ago there when we weren't recording yet. So this is to the username um, AJEpic83. He left us a nice five-star review on Apple Podcast, And he has the title, Do You Remember Me? Okay, I know that you don't remember me, but I was one of the classes that you talked to like three years ago at Yale Elementary School in uh, Michigan. thought you were very cool, and I love your podcast. You taught me so much, so thank you. Oh, wow. So I, I, don't, I don't see your name. I'm going to assume it's AJ or some variation That's super, of that. That's super, super cool. So that would have been one of my sister's classes. Yep. And uh, that's, uh, I wonder if he's been listening to us since uh, the very beginning. I hope so. And I, I, well, or at least to some point of it, I hope he's been listening. And I, I apologize, man, if you are, that I didn't get this shout out to you sooner. <laughs> so I just, wow. uh, just popped in my head before we're the end of the episode here. So I just want to make sure we give you that shout out. Well, I, I don't remember specific AJ, but I remember some of those kids were really into what we were doing. And, yeah. Um, what was it? What, that was like when TikTok first came out, wasn't it? About that time. So I know a lot of those kids had that already set up and were doing really good with it. So that's that's pretty cool. That's very cool, so, man. Thank you so much for the nice yeah, review. Appreciate you listening, man, and hope you keep enjoying. Well, John, uh, if they want to hear more about us, where else do they need to find out about So them? they can check us out on our Facebook group, 4x4Talk, 4x4Talk. Type that in your search bar on Facebook. That'll pull up the page. Ask you a few quick questions. Make sure you're not you know, one of those fun robot things trying to steal everybody's information. And we'll get you on the page. You can post there, interact with uh, other fellow listeners, ask questions, you know, tell us what you want to hear on the show, what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Uh, don't forget to leave us a like or a comment um, if you did have anything. Make sure you hit subscribe on the show, share it with your friends, all that good stuff. And I, th I think that's about it as far as Facebook goes. Well, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram for both Museum yeah. and Wheelin. We have uh, just look us up on both of them, and you can always follow us. Oh, make sure to check us out on Patreon too. Patreon.com/slash Wheelin Radio. Uh, got a couple different pricing tiers there. The access is low as two dollars a month. It'll get you access to a bunch of the after-show material that we do. There's a lot of free ones up right now, so you can check that out. Uh, see what you think of the show if you like it. Hit subscribe on that. Like I said, throws us a few bucks. Just helps us keep the operating costs kind of balanced and everything. There's a little bit of cost to do the show, so it just you know equipment and all that, some hosting costs. So that helps us to help you guys do more. I don't remember that we got anything else. That's about <laughs> it, buddy. Well, I'll say thanks for listening and have a good one, everybody.